1: Hey, everyone. Welcome or welcome back to the 88th episode of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bring you everything you need to know from the past week in the world of financial markets and financial planning. And this week, we have Aaron Kramer back on the show uh, to co-host with me. So, Aaron, welcome back, my man. Thanks. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, yeah. So, as always, uh, we'll take the first few minutes to recap the performance for the month and the year of the major indexes that we track. And these numbers are as of the market close on March 8th. And this data is from Coifin. S&P 500 index down just over 2% for the month and up 1.74% for the year. The Dow up 0.85% in March and up 3.91% for the year. The NASDAQ off to a slower start here in March, down 4.92% for the month and up only 0.25% for the year. The IWM ETF that tracks the Russell 2000 index is down 3.24% for the month and up 11.57% for the year. The Vanguard International Index, ex-United States, down 2.44% for March and up 2.24% for the year. The three-month T-bill currently yielding 0.06%. Two-year treasury yield uh, currently sitting at 0.16%. And the 10-year Treasury yielding 1.56%, which is the longest we've seen in some time.
0: Um,
1: So starting off with big news and headlines uh, from the week, Aaron, stocks continued last week to get hit, um, and they dropped the most since they have uh, since the correction back in the fall of 2020 that we saw in September, October. Um, with obviously the most aggressive areas of the market uh, taking a big hit like technology. Right. In um, good news, the U.S. added 379,000 jobs in the month of February, which exceeded the estimate of 210,000 jobs. The unemployment rate dropped slightly to 6.2%. And I think this is really encouraging that we're heading in the right direction, right? Yeah, I do too. I think it's a really good thing. Um, So we're very happy to see jobs coming back to the market after taking a very large hit in 2020. Uh, Last but not least, Aaron, the Senate passed a $1.9 trillion stimulus bill uh, over the weekend, putting more money in the pockets of Americans. And we'll dig into some of this uh, over the next couple weeks to kind of bring out some important pieces for people to be aware of. Great. Yeah. Um, So moving on to tweets, articles and research from the week. This was an interesting one, Aaron. It was just a quote from a gentleman by the name of Robert Arnott, who is a famous entrepreneur and investor. And it was very simple. All he said was in investing, what is comfortable is rarely profitable. And I think that this is one of those things that needs to be shouted from the mountaintops. No, that's a a great quote. And it's it's certainly true. Yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, I think, Aaron, this is one of the first things that investors should learn before they put a dime in the stock market. Investing is not something that is supposed to be comfortable or always make you warm and fuzzy inside. That's just not how the game works. It took me a long time to understand this, and I'm sure it did for you too. So we're not indifferent from the majority of America. Um, But think about it from the standpoint of like trying to lose weight or trying to get in shape. So if you've never worked out before, initially, those workouts are going to be extremely uncomfortable and difficult, right? So you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to tell yourself it's too hard and you won't be able to accomplish your goals. But if you stick with it for long enough, you start to see results. You start to notice that, you know, that two mile run doesn't seem so hard. You finally reach the point where instead of using 15 pound dumbbells, you can use 25 pound dumbbells. Or in your case, you're a biker, so you can bike 20 miles instead of 10 miles. (laughs) Um, You know, once you start seeing the fruits of your labor, I think it it kind of ignites a fire in you to keep working at it. And now you find yourself always wanting to get better, right? Right. Um, You know, it takes time and it doesn't happen overnight. And now you understand that and you accept it. So let's relate this kind of back to investing. So higher than average returns in the market, obviously, that doesn't happen overnight. You know, if you start off with a $5,000 investment and initially you experience a 25% haircut because the market took a hit when you started investing, you're not going to feel good about that, right? right? (laughs) It's going to be hard to deal with. You're down in the dumps because you're losing money right off the bat. You know, you think to yourself that you can't make money, but you stick with it and 6 months later your 5000 initial investment is back up to 5500 and 12 months later you're at 7000 so you get more comfortable with being uncomfortable because now you understand that this is how the market works right so once you're fully um you know embracing and understanding how the market works you want to be better and get better so you start up you know an automatic contribution right. to your retirement right. account every month Um, and you increase your savings rate at every possible point you can, because you can start to see that light at the end of the at the end of the tunnel. Um, so, I mean, if you stay disciplined, I think with your investments, just like working out, you're going to see the fruits of your labor, but giving up because we're in a market correction or you have an injury from working out can have severe consequences. And, you know, my argument is Aaron, that most things we do in life are uncomfortable but we do them anyway. So why can't we do this, you know, and apply this same theory to markets and investing? Um, So I know that was a little bit of a rant there, but that was just one of the things that, you know, I think now is a good time because people are freaking out, right? On Twitter, uh, hashtag stock market crash was (laughs) trending last week and we were Five percent off of the highs. I know. Um, So I think you know we're going to get into it a little more here with a blog post by Ashby Daniels later that kind of goes along with this. But um, you know, you people just need to understand how investing works and how the market works um, before they get into it because there's a lot of emotional consequences (laughs) with this type of stuff. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I think it always relates back to its its time in the market. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's it's making those sacrifices or seeing those swings that over the five, 10, 15, 20 years that really pay off. Right. Not just because it's uncomfortable for six months, you get out. That's yeah, the, exactly. That's the big deal. Exactly. So actually just piggybacking off, in, off of off that, I'm going to jump around, Aaron, and yep. go to
1: that blog well, that post good. from Ashby Daniels on March 2nd. And this was on his blog, the retirement field guide titled trading one risk for another. And I think this relates really well. Um, So Ashby starts off by saying, we talk about risk in investing as if the definition is a temporary decline in value. That is more of a perceived risk because we naturally make the connection that a temporary situation is permanent. And like we just said, we see people do this all the time, right? (laughs) Few things that are temporary can be considered true risks. Hurricanes and tornadoes have lasting effects, but temporary downward market volatility, not so much. A risk that is temporary can't matter that much in the grand scheme of a 30-year retirement, kind of like you were just alluding to. Real risk is the risk of a permanent loss of capital. In the entire history of the U.S. stock market, this has never happened. And let me repeat that one more time. This (laughs) has never happened. The actual results have been the polar opposite of that in our mental extension of assuming temporary declines are permanent we exercise an abundance of caution because it's hard to stomach reviewing our monthly statements this causes us to unknowingly increase other risks conventional wisdom says it's risky to hold too much in equities in retirement conventional wisdom inverted over the next or excuse me over the course of a 30 year retirement what if the real risk isn't owning too much in equities But owning too little. If conventional wisdom says we should own fewer equities, we should at least consider the idea of doing the opposite. And I don't know about you, Aaron, but I always like to be the contrarian on these type of things. So that makes sense to me, right? Um, He finishes by saying, by exercising an abundance of caution with regard to our retirement portfolios, we are seeking to reduce temporary volatility at the cost of reducing our permanent return. That's irrational. Right. And again, and not to beat a dead horse, but we talk about this all the time. You have to live with the
2: ups and downs on Mm -hmm. a short term basic to be able to enjoy the long term rate of return. Right. And and what's the opportunity cost of of sitting in 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 cash or something very conservative and getting two percent? Right. Exactly. That's not going to cut it for people. right, Right. And that
1: relates to the same thing with, you know, people always thinking in academia world that the closer I get to retirement, the more and more conservative I need to get. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't either. You know, if you put, you know, 50 or 75% uh, of your portfolio in bonds or cash, you're going to run the risk of running out of money before you, before you pass away. Right. right? Um, so why do we, why do we invest in the first place, Aaron? And this is something that I heard on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. We invest to, protect our purchasing power. Right. Exactly. So, you know, if your cash is sitting in a bank account and, you know, and this was another good one that I heard, like back in 1970, a gold coin uh, that was worth, you know, $20 could buy a suit and $20 in cash could buy a suit. Right. Fast forward to today, $20 can't buy a suit, no. but a gold coin or a gold something gold could still holds its value, right? It's mm-hmm. increased over time, right. gold, the value of gold. So that could still potentially buy a suit. You know, $20 buys a pair of socks now, <laughs> right. it's like, it seems exactly. like, right? Um, you know, so we invest in the stock market to protect our purchasing value because, you know, $20 today is not going to be worth $20 20 years from now. Exactly. Um, so when people ask us all the time, like, how do you, you know, how do you protect our purchasing power? It's by investing, investing right? It's right. not just keeping your money in, in a bank account. Um, so I think that that, that was a really good blog by, by Ashby there. Um, he always produces good stuff. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. Um, anything you wanted to add to that before I go no, on to the next no, thing? That was great. Okay. Was great. Uh, the next thing was a tweet uh, from Michael Goodwell on March 4th. And he tweeted um, a picture uh, with this language Drawdown from peak. So again, just to remind listeners, the drawdown um, is the amount we are down from the highest point in the market that we reached, right? So from the all-time high that we made recently in the markets, the Dow is down 3.21% from that high. The Russell 2000 index, which is the small cap index, is down 7% from its high. S&P 500 index is down 4.11% from its high. And the Nasdaq was down nine point four one percent from its high. And these numbers were are were as of uh, the market close on March fourth. And he shows this chart where it's a little blip on the screen. This, I know this pullback that we're experiencing, experiencing Tiny. right? and it's funny because it shows march of 2020 and then it also so shows the fall of 2020 where obviously in march we experienced you know anywhere between a 25 and 40% right. pullback depending on the index and the same thing in the fall we pulled back anywhere from 10 to 20 to 25% based on which
2: of these four indexes that you track and it still doesn't look like that big
1: no it doesn't <laughs> so and people are freaking out, but it's one of those things, Aaron, that we we've talked about this, and we thought this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. That people's memory is very, very short term; <laughs> they are quick to forget <laughs> what happened in March or what happened in the fall. And since we haven't had a pullback since the fall, everyone's freaking out because they haven't experienced it in a couple right. Of months. Right. Um, but again, we just want to take you know this time to
2: remind people that this stuff is completely normal. Yeah, I think it's healthy for the market, in my opinion.
1: I think it is, too. I mean, we can't we talk about it all the time, too, that, you know, back in the early 2000s, the market was going up every day every week, every month without a break. And it's not sustainable. No, it's not sustainable, and that's and that's part of the reason in my opinion why the tech bubble burst exactly. because you know, that is a sign of an unhealthy market. Right now, we're seeing rotation from technology to financials and energy. Financials and energy have been beaten down relative right. to technology over the past decade, right? So that's healthy. Markets um, that rotate into different industries. That's how bull markets live on and go and go forward. We right, want participation right. from all of all these the different sectors. sectors in the economy, and that's what's happening. Internationals doing well. Emerging markets has been strong, even though it's pulled back. Small cap names have been really, really strong, strong over the past couple of months. And what does that typically mean? Typically, when we come out of recessionary periods, small caps tend to lead because where does innovation come out of? Comes out of some of our darkest times in this country. Exactly. Um, So these smaller companies get more love because of that. So, you know, none of this is is um, flashing caution signs to me that we are um, going to go significantly lower in the markets over the long term. I still think we are in an extremely bullish environment. And you know, if we look back on this this cu- last couple of weeks in the next three months, you know, this is going to be a blip on the screen, right, exactly, in my opinion. Um, the last thing before we get to the financial planning topic of the week is kind of a fun um, indicator, I guess. And this was from a piece uh, by LPL Research on February 26th. So um, they. Uh, put together what they call a Valentine's Day indicator. And this is what they said. Be open to buying any potential weakness should it happen. We call this one the Valentine's Day indicator. If the S&P 500 index is up more than 4% for the year on February 14th, the rest of the year tends to be quite strong. In fact, the rest of the year has been higher an incredible 24 out of 26 times for a very solid 13% average return. Given 2021 was up close to 5% on Valentine's Day, history would say continued gains over the rest of the year are likely. And obviously, just want to remind listeners, Aaron, that past performance isn't (laughs) indicative of future returns, but I thought this was interesting. Yeah. 24 so, out of 26 times, that's pretty pretty consistent. Yeah. And out of the 26 times, um, there were two times, obviously, that the, the market return was negative the rest of the year. Uh, the first year was 1987, where we had a huge market crash. Right. And the second uh, time was 2011. Okay. But every year since then, the market's been positive going forward. So- Given everything that we just discussed with the pullback we're experiencing right right now, uh, history, uh, you know, looking back on history, it says that, you know, we are still in a pretty bullish environment based on LPL's Valentine's Day indicator. (laughs) So we'll see how that plays out for the rest of the year. Um, Moving on to the financial planning topic of the week, Aaron, this one comes from that Wall Street Journal tax guide for 2020 and 2021. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to take some time to talk about retirement accounts and the pandemic withdrawals from retirement accounts, how that's all going to work. Um, and then we'll go over some of the basics in terms of contribution limits for 2021. That's great. Okay. Um, so to help COVID-19 victims, obviously, Aaron, Congress allowed taxpayers affected by the pandemic to make withdrawals of up to $100,000 mm-hmm. per year from retirement plan accounts like 401Ks. So the income and taxes on those withdrawals are spread over three years, although amounts put back into these accounts uh, are not taxable. So to be very clear, if you took a covid distribution from a 401k in 2020, your tax liability on that will be spread over a three year period unless you elected otherwise. Right. Right. Um, and also, it's important to note that these distributions were not tax-free. I think that some people thought that they could right. skirt the tax
2: system. Yeah, just avoided the, the 10% penalty
1: yeah, on early exactly. withdrawals.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: So if you put the money back, however, into the 401k within the three years from when you took the COVID distribution, you'll receive a tax credit from the taxes you initially paid on the distribution, which is nice. So you do have a three-year period to put the money back into the 401k, if that's an option. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, And like you said, in addition, you know, taxpayers making those withdrawals did not owe the 10 percent penalty on early withdrawals, even though they were under a lot of people were under 59 and a half, which is which is good. Um, Moving on to contribution limits for 2020 and 2021. So with a traditional IRA or 401k plan, savers typically get a tax deduction for contributions and owe ordinary income tax on withdrawals. Mm -hmm. But if your income exceeds a certain threshold, you might not be eligible to deduct your traditional IRA contributions from your income for 2021, Um, especially if you're covered by a workplace retirement plan like a 401k. So, if you are covered by a workplace retirement plan like a 401k and you're single and make more than $76,000 in modified adjusted gross income, you're not eligible to deduct your traditional IRA contributions. And for married couples filing joint, the threshold is $125,000 of adjusted gross income. So, I think people need to be careful about that because sometimes it doesn't make sense to you know, contribute to the traditional IRA right. because you're not getting that deduction. Right. That's when it makes sense to do the Roth. The Roth. Exactly. And obviously, there's contribution limits with that. But, you know, they are right. a little higher than exactly. what I just listed below. Um. So uh, traditional IRA and Roth IRA contribution limits have not changed from 2020 to 2021. So if you are below the age of 50, the max contribution for 2021 for IRAs is six six thousand dollars. And the max for those over 50 is $7,000. And remember, as of 2020, uh, with change in legislation, there is no age cap anymore for individuals contributing to traditional IRAs. Um, But it's still key to remember that you have to have earned income to contribute to a IRA account. Either you have to have earned income or your spouse that you file taxes jointly with has to have earned income, right? Right. so you cannot contribute more than you earn. All right. The limit on contributions for regular 401ks and Roth 401ks is higher up to $19,500 per worker per year, plus an additional $6,500 for those age 50 and above uh, both for 2020 and 2021. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to remind people about, Aaron, is that the deadline for contributing to traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs for 2020 is April 15th of this year. Yep. So there is still time to make contributions for 2020 if you haven't already maxed out your IRAs for yeah. the year.
2: Yeah. I think that's a good strategy for people to do too, is to, to look at what they if they have a tax liability, it might make sense for them to contribute to a traditional IRA if they can. Deduct right exactly yeah. to get that deduction, right? right. So that knocks
1: $6,000 or, you know, $12,000 potentially off of your your taxable income if right. you are below right. those income limits. Um, and, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that, you know, even though we are in 2021, we can, can still, still make, make prior year contributions, right. um, you know, and I know a lot of people don't like to do it because they like to get their taxes done as soon as possible, right. but it doesn't really matter, guys. No. I mean, I would take advantage of the tax yeah, benefits by sure. making sure you're maxing out your IRAs, you know, rather than just saying, hey, I want to get my taxes filed and right. over with. Right. right. um. Anything else, Aaron, that was on your mind that you wanted to talk about today? No, uh, no I we think wrap you, uh, up? you covered it pretty well. That's yeah, good. so again, you know, we're going through a period, you know, in the market where it's not fun for anybody. It's not fun for us, no, it's not no. fun for investors. But again, we just have to continuously remind ourselves that this is how it works, right? right. We got to go P.M. through periods like this. It's not going to be hunky dory 24 right. seven. Um, but you know, I think the trend is still up and we're still in a bullish environment. So it's something we sit through and, you know, once we, we break out people, you know, uh, be happy again. we'll be happy again. <laughs> we'll have their panties in a bunch, but, um, this is all just part of it. So just wanted to remind people of that yeah. as well. Yeah. um, well, thanks for joining, Aaron. I appreciate you sitting in for Mr. Jessup today. So it's good to have you yeah, back on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's um, fun. So maybe we'll have you back on. Like I said, we kind of want to get into what is all in this stimulus bill. Um, so I think it'd be nice to have you on here in a couple of weeks yeah, when we can talk yeah, that be about good. that a little more. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the 88th episode of the Independent Advisors podcast. We hope you all have a wonderful rest of the week. And I guess the one thing that I will leave with you is that um, Jenna, our marketing director who produces the podcast for us um, has asked us what we wanted to do for the hundredth episode of this podcast, which will be coming up here sooner rather than later. So if anyone has any, any suggestions on what we should do for the hundredth episode of the independent advisors podcast, um, please go ahead and reach out to us at inquiries at com uh, and give us some feedback on what you would want to hear on that episode. So I hope you all have a, a great rest of the week and we'll be back with you next week for episode number 89.
0: Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words, questions, and topics in the subject line to mark at jessupwealthmanagement.com, and we'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict.